Orcas and salmon are friends that need help. Our ocean pals are facing some trouble. Less trouble, more bubbles. There's so much we can do. Do you know what I'm thinking? Let's start preaching extinction. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Breaching Extinction podcast. For those of you that are new here, this podcast is focused mostly on cetaceans, meaning whales and dolphins, ocean-related topics, and endangered animals. My name is Erica Worth. I'm your host here. I started this podcast in 2019 after spending a summer up in the San Juan Islands in the habitat of the southern resident killer whales. The first two years of this podcast focused specifically on that group of whales. I interviewed a variety of people from various backgrounds in regards to issues with that specific species. So if you're interested in learning about them, go back to our first two years worth of episodes. We are now here in season four and we are expanding a bit. So now we cover all kinds of topics. If you're interested in being on the podcast or you have a topic or a paper that you would like to have covered send us an email or a message on Instagram, something like that. My email is erica at breachingextinction.com. That's Erica with a C and breaching extinction. I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode and we'll just get to it. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Breaching Extinction Podcast. We're recording a, a podcast page. You're a part of this now. What? Oh, what's up, guys? We're on the whale watch from hell. <laughs> Welcome to Breaching Extinction Podcast. And we have an announcement. We're having an announcement. We have a new episode co-host. It's me, Pages. <laughs> I'm Paige. Paige will be a regular guest. She contributes her bijou, which is a baby Pomeranian. This bitch stole my thunder. Oh, it's Maddie. It's Maddie. I'm so sorry. 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 I was like, wait, right is Maddie the one who also does the podcast? Oh, no, but she's about to. I'm oh, so trying to be actually rude. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hell. We stopped recording. And we started recording. There's palm trees. We're at the Channel Islands. Did you know, fun fact, palm trees are not native to North America? Also, neither is eucalyptus. They brought it over here for timber. Um, and it's actually highly flammable. Um, and it's now in the state of California. And if you go into the Elkhorn Slough, they are trying to get rid of that problem by letting the birds shit on it. <laughs> no, that ass, that ass. True story. I'm literally it's so drunk. Invasive. Erica is drunk and we're on an all-day whale watch where we have not seen a single whale. For fucking four and a half hours. Fuck this. I'm just kidding. That's so rude. It's like, I'm just grateful to be on the water. I shouldn't be so entitled. <laughs> I'm acting I the sound on this video <laughs> That's... Mm. That's Pepto on tap. That's Pepto Bismol, baby. Pepto Bismol, baby. That's corn. That's corn. Look at those elephant seals. The proboscis girl. Ooh. They got that proboscis. Ooh, those two are fighting. Oh, they're trying to fight. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I get it. I get it. Jersey Shore out here. It's a Jersey Shore. I hope you guys enjoyed a little snippet from our all-day whale watch trip. We certainly had a good time, as you can see. 
Um, I do want to give a little warning before this episode that we do discuss some sensitive topics like suicide, sexual assault, cults, physical abuse, and religious trauma, overall just trauma in general. Um, so if you are someone who may be a little bit more sensitive and don't want to hear these topics, this is probably not the episode for you. So go ahead and just skip this one. Um, maybe go back to one of our past episodes. Uh, but just a little trigger warning for everyone before proceeding with this episode. This meeting is being recorded. I hate that lag so much. Um, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. Hope you guys all had a wonderful week. This week I'm here with Madison Bashford. How are you doing, Maddie? Hey, I'm doing well. I have to comment on the sound clips that were just played. Yeah. From our trip to Santa Barbara. I sound drunk and I'm not drunk, but <laughs> you are drunk. But so I just want to clear the air and say that I was only drunk off ring pops. Okay. I was only drunk off ring pops. Perfect. Great. As- out there because I, I was not drunk I was I just had lots of I had a ring pop my mouth was green and you I, were drunk I was drunk off of Trader Joe's wine yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean kind of needed to be on that boat you know what I mean it's just like like Fair. like it just was not the vibes like um I mean not, you know I don't expect whales to do anything but you know I mean, that kind of is like the one thing I do like once a year where I get a little like lady titty and, you know, because it's eight hours, you know, you got time to sober up, right? But we did a lot of searching and not a lot of finding whales. Yeah. One whale after seven hours. That's pretty cool. And then they were like, we're running out of time. (laughs) Got to go by. And we're like, okay. It was a cute whale, though. It was cute. It was all right. It was all right. And I saw a minky whale, and no one knew. Yeah, I think you and maybe, like, there was, like, some other lady on the boat that saw a minky whale, and possibly Juan saw a minky whale. I don't know. Yeah. Juan's got good eyes. Juan, Juan likes to find things. Yeah. Shout um, out Juan. Yeah, shout out Juan. Um, anyways... Anytime that I bring Juan on the boat and I tell Chase, like, I'll be like, Juan's coming this weekend to, like, just FYI, because we just toss him on. He, he'll always be like, it takes Juan to know Juan. And, like, this. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> wow. That's a really funny joke. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, so good. I like puns, though. Like, I do like puns, but I was like, okay. <laughs> You are one of my friends who likes puns, and I do not like puns, just because I can't come up with them very easily. Yeah, no, but when they're good, they're good. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, I can't hate on a good pun. Yeah. Um, amazing. So we are here this week because, which I'm sure you guys got like a little spoiler where, blah, 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 spoiler alert from our little, um, snippets from the boat is that maddie is going to be our new poor episode co-host um miss kendra is busy doing a full-time job and just being a bad bitch and she doesn't have time for us anymore um and we're sad but we're happy for her (laughs) no we love kendra go kendra get it girl um salty yeah, I'm not salty at all. No, she's she's awesome and she's contributed a lot of great stuff and she'll come back, you know, on the podcast periodically. But I totally get it. Like it is a time commitment and like 
like when you have a full-time job and like she's moved and she got another cat and all that stuff so I I totally get it um yeah but she will be missed but we are we want to add another voice because I think I like the dynamic of like Liam and I like you know are great but like I feel like you know having a third person is also good um so these are for our poor episodes, which are shorter episodes that are bi-weekly. Maybe we'll make it more weekly, depending on how this goes. We'll see what happens. Um, but we're going to be switching from our book reading to what Liam likes to call our variety special. So uh, just like kind of random topics. Um, the goal of the poor episodes in the beginning was to kind of like balance out the depressing Southern resident talk. Um and talk about like fun more interesting things keep it lighthearted. um and those episodes are just fun anyway so while I don't talk about depressing shit all the time anymore on this podcast um it's still fun so keeping it fun right Krusty Krusty's underneath the bed right now ridiculous like a cat like a cat she's ridiculous last night she was pissed because I don't know what it was because I was like too delirious in my sleep to like totally know but I've heard foxes outside my window and it could have been a fox it could have been something else but it's funny because it was like the little fox creature would like make a little noise and then the owl would hoot back at it and they would just go back and forth and it was kind of cute and then peaches would growl she's like ah, she's so mad you're basically a fairy my life is a dream it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of crazy like it is kind of crazy which I feel like we're going to talk a bit about. So we're taking this episode to talk about something that's very important to us about um, overcoming different struggles, which is kind of crazy that my life is the way it is considering where I came from. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but we're going to talk about vulnerability and authenticity um, and just kind of like mental health stuff um, and healing because we're here to get to know Madison because I want you guys to know our new poor episode co-host. I've had some people like ask questions about me referencing different parts of my life in the podcast, most specifically the cult. Um, so we're going to take this uh, podcast as an opportunity to get to know Madison and then talk a bit about like healing, vulnerability, authenticity, because um, all of those things are relevant to our jobs, to this field. Um, because if we not show up as our best selves and like not say you need to be 100% all the time um but if we're like unhealed going through shit like not able to be fully authentic or like vulnerable we're not going to do as good of work and like the world needs more people to be fully authentic and be able to be vulnerable and I'm not saying all the time but you know be able to have those skills Totally. Yeah. As someone who has struggled with mental and physical health struggles, um, I know like really well how important it is to take care of yourself before you can take care of the planet, wildlife, other human rights issues, things like that. For sure. Um, yeah. So I think Madison and I both had very similar and different upbringings. And obviously that's impacted how we show up in the field, um, kind of when we show up in the field, you know, things like that. Um, you know, marine science is obviously, and like, just like the field of like environmentalism, like outdoor recreation, et cetera, 
Um, these are like very privileged spaces to be in. Um, and majority of the time, people who have jobs in these fields have had some sort of advantage in life ahead of time, or just an extreme amount of determination because there are kind of always the oddballs um, in there. Um, and yeah, so I think we're just going to start with sharing a little bit of like our life stories, the things that we've had to overcome. Um, and we're hopeful that in sharing this, that maybe we can, you know, I don't know, at different points in my journey, I felt like I wasn't going to get to where I am, which you just talked about how I'm a fairy living my dream out in the woods, like yes. working on the ocean. Um, and so hopefully, I don't know, we can resonate with some people here. So. Yeah. I'd like, I mean, I'd like, hopefully with the stories we share just to speak to our vulnerability, our authenticity, um, and overcoming the struggles that we have to hopefully, yeah, relate to others. Also just, it's good to talk about, get it out there. Um, cause we heal from it as well. And then, you know, just showing others who have struggled that they're not alone. Absolutely. Yes. So, on that note, Madison, tell us a little bit about your life, your upbringing, um, and yeah. Okay, I'll start. Yeah. Um, so let's see, where do I want to start? Well, just brief little fun facts about me is that I love polar bears mm -hmm. and it is Halloween season, which is also a favorite season of mine. Um, so I love Halloween and polar bears, which is really important for you to know about me. And I also have two really special dogs because I know Erica gets to just talk about peaches, 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 this, peaches, that. So I would like to introduce myself as well as my shepherd mixes, which are named Bodie and Tika, and they're the best dogs in the world. They're not. We literally, we're not going to get into this discussion here, but like, when we just like objectively from an, like an objective standpoint consider the qualities that make the best dog it's peaches and that's just I can't like you're a science person I'm a science person you can't argue with facts <laughs> we're gonna agree to disagree and maybe we'll do a study later <laughs> okay but yeah so my dogs Bodie and Tika are so special I love polar bears I love Halloween but I guess since we're swapping stories, I'll talk about my childhood and my upbringing a little bit. Um, a theme in my life all throughout my childhood and young adulthood, I'm still, I would say a young adult, if, a, if, if not a child still, but um, as a kid being raised um, by my mom and dad, and I have two younger brothers, we were raised in the Mormon religion, uh, which was cool, you know, um, but I just felt very different. Like I felt like I really didn't fit into that religion. So the whole like kind of theme of my upbringing was never feeling like I fit in or never feeling like I belonged or I just, yeah, I just always felt different. And mainly like being raised in the Mormon church, like what I noticed was, um, and I want to throw out their disclaimer, like I, Erica will agree. We're not like judging religion. I'm just sharing, simply sharing my story. So for sure. Um, religion works for you. That's great. I have a higher power of my own understanding and, um, you know, whatever works for you is great. Um, so yeah, I was raised in the Mormon religion. And when I started to notice like that, I didn't fit in, um, was when like, we were always separated by like the young women and the young men. 
And so my brothers and my dad got to do all this cool shit. You know, they got to um, do like outings in the outdoors, go camping. They would do like the Eagle Scout project, like shit that I was just like so jealous of. They got to go, you know, like shoot guns, whatever it was, Um, learn how to tie knots, learn how to change a tire, all this like stereotypical men shit. Well, myself, I was, um, because I'm a woman, was grouped in with the young women, makes sense. But we would learn how to like make a trifle or, and I just like, I'm so salty about the trifle because like, it was just like, it was like one thing that really sticks out in my memory. We learned how to make a trifle or like um, how to clean a house, how to sew, like all this like really uh, obviously very stereotypical woman role stuff um was what we were taught and that was like our fun activities were like let's learn how to crochet and and shit like that and so for me growing up I just was like always kind of questioning or just I felt I started my depression started really young because I I couldn't voice that I felt different or that I had questions like I didn't have that voice or confidence to speak out but I just internally felt really just like not okay you know I just felt like okay this is weird and then so while I'm going to church three hours every day on Sunday or every Sunday um, meetings, Wednesday nights, you know, I was very involved with the church. Um, Most of my other girlfriends were like not Mormon and I played volleyball sports all growing up. And so I also felt very different just like in my friend group because like I had to follow all these like rules in air quotes, like the word of wisdom or whatever, where it's like no swearing, no drink. So I was always listening to like the clean version of music and like, I didn't even know really what sex was, you know, and um, like just all the like normal religious stuff, like, like gay is not okay. I know you've experienced that, Erica, and just like things that are like, you know, that you're taught in a religious uh, community that are just like these things that are bad. Um, so with my friends, I always like just never really fit in with them as well. Um, my family's all really tall. So I'm like six feet tall, 200 some pounds, you know, like I'm, I'm very big for like a girl. Mm-hmm. So that also made me feel very different. Um, it's also really nerdy and into science. So I never really just like fit in with my friends who weren't Mormon. And then I also didn't fit in with the Mormons. And so just all through, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, I just started my depression just started to really build because I just really didn't fit in with anyone so I eventually would go on to community college and then to Cal State uh, University Monterey Bay get a marine science degree and um, my life story kind of goes on from there but that's really like the basis of my upbringing I never really felt like I fit in and that was a struggle for me yeah definitely um I think I don't know like from just like talking to other people in the field I feel like being like the animal kid because we were all the yeah. animal kid. Like, yeah. you're always, like, a little bit weird, right? Um, so I totally get that, and I totally get that that's, like, something, you know, that shapes you. Um, you know, our upbringings obviously do shape us, I think, more so than people think, because, you know, <clears throat> while we can be conscious of, like, oh, I always felt kind of like a misfit because of X, Y, and Z, Like when you're young, your brain literally forms neural pathways and like physically forms itself, like based on your life experiences. Um, And so those patterns and those thoughts are definitely really hard to break. Um, Definitely doable, but um, can be a challenge. But no, I totally feel you on that. 
I definitely always kind of felt like a misfit a little bit too. Um, like it's funny because when I was growing up, my mom would always like say that like, you know, our family was like basically like she felt like she was like on the island and misfit toys, like she was the black sheep. Like my family was also um pretty religious, but kind of like, I don't know, it was weird. Like they were very conservative. We grew up Catholic. Um, and like, I just remember like hating going to mass and just being like, this is the worst. Like, I can't like, what is this? Um, and just like wanting it to be over and having to go to like, you know, the parish school of religion after school, um, and like really finding no value in it. Like, I just really felt like there were a lot of like, just like unnecessary rules that like I didn't understand. And then when I started questioning things, like I was told that that was disrespectful and like, you know, it's like, there's no room for like conversation. Um, and then also too, like, I remember being a kid and like, it's funny because like, when I talk to people that are queer, like when you look back to when you didn't know that you were queer and then after you figure it out, you're like, oh, you're like, obviously. But like, I remember one of the first things that was maybe partially a part of my queer awakening was like being in mass and then being like, gay is not okay. And just like hearing that all the time and just like thinking that that just like didn't make any sense. And like, how, like, why do we give a shit, you know? Um, which it is a really silly thing to give a shit about, honestly, like what somebody else is doing, just saying, like, it's like, you don't have to try gay, but like, don't tell other people what to do, you know? I don't know. So it's like, you don't want people pushing their gay agenda on you, but yet no one's doing that. And religious agendas get pushed all the time. But anyways, despite having this like tension between me and the church that I grew up in, and also too, like, I was really frustrated because that like, I heard all these messages of like, love and support and community and whatever which is not something that I felt like we had in the church and like meanwhile as a kid like I grew up in a very uh colorful environment I guess you could say um I was physically and mentally abused by my mom for the for most of my life um we ended up going no contact when I was like 22 23 something like that because it just got out of hand um and like it's one of the best things I could have done for myself, but it was one of those things where it's like, I tried to talk to people in the church about like the abuse that I was going through. And, and like the response is like, that's your mom. Don't disrespect your mom. And it's like, what? So that just like really like messed with my head. Um, and my family didn't really keep an eye on me. My mom was pretty awful. Um, she and my dad divorced when I was like nine. So I don't know my biological dad, but my adoptive dad, adopted me when I was five he's been in my life since I was three like he's my dad but she kind of when they got divorced like kind of what he calls parent alienation like where she basically wouldn't really allow him to be in my life and like I grew up like hating him because I was like oh like this asshole because like that's what my mom was telling me and it's like it was quite the opposite like and my dad and I are very close now we've been able to like rekindle our relationship um well we're not very close we're closer um and like, you know, I've been able to see through some of that stuff, but I don't know. I had these weird feelings in church because I was like, okay, like I have all this abuse that I have to overcome. I have these queer feelings that I have to overcome. And then I also feel like I have zero support system. Like my mom just was really bad to the point where child protective services like got involved on multiple occasions. I ultimately ended up getting removed from my house at 17. But before that, when I was in search of my community, um, I ended up literally joining a religious cult um, because when you're in Ohio and your parents aren't, 
you know, like doing anything or like, you know, paying attention to you. Um, and you're looking for a way to fill the void. You're looking for a way to, I don't know, feel like some sort of connection or something or escape. You either join a religious cult or you do opioids. Um, and I chose to join a religious cult and it was called Xenos spelled X E N O S. If anyone wants to Google it, um, it's not like one of those religious cults where it's like, they're like, you know, like heaven's gate where like, we all go down and drink the Kool-Aid, like not like that, but like, it was definitely still a cult. <laughs> um, it was one of those things where it's like, they isolate you from your families. Um, and like, they lure you in, like, there was a lot of like boundary breaking that was just like, not, mm-mm. it was weird. Um, I like had to go to meetings, like three to four times a week, which is like a lot for a high schooler who's like also working to support their family because I grew up very poor. Like we had our lights shut off frequently. I remember one time my mom wasn't even able to afford to buy soap and like, yeah, so we grew up super poor. So that's a lot to put on, you know, somebody who's going through that at age, like, I don't know, 15. Um, and then be like, you have to go to all these meetings or you're going to go to hell. Like, and I'm like, okay, cool. Great. Love it. Um, and I had like a discipler, which is like basically like a religious mentor that was like, we would meet, um, and we would like, you know, talk about God and things like that. And like, they basically were like, yeah, you can never leave like Columbus, Ohio. Like you have to stay in Xenos for the rest of your life. Like, this is like you, this is what you have to do. And if you don't, you're going to go to hell. Like you're literally a piece of shit and like, just know that, you know? Um, but what they do is they, they'll kind of isolate you from your community. And then if you don't follow the rules, they'll like excommunicate you, which I feel like is not loving at all. Um, but anyways, so, um, this discipler was like taking me to like religious counseling, which I have no idea how legally, like how the fuck did this happen? Like no one noticed, like everyone was just like, this is cool. Like this person is just taking a literal minor to counseling and telling them that they're a piece of shit because that they want to go to college somewhere else. Like, you know, and they're trying to escape their home life. So yeah. Um, very like colorful upbringing. I definitely was told by the church and like by my family and by society that like, because I was a woman, because I struggled in school, like I struggled in school because of the stress in my household. It had nothing to do with my academic abilities. And that was not something that I could see at the time. But like, I truly believe that I was stupid. Like, just because that's something that my family told me, I didn't get the best grades. Like I got okay grades, but I always wanted to be like a straight A student and I never was. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to make it in this field. Um, but the one thing that always kind of got me through like the abuse and all the weird religious shit was that like, I loved wildlife. Um, and so I started volunteering at a zoo when I was like 14. Um, and that was like my escape. That was the thing that got me through. That was my little like carrot of hope that I was like, okay, like this is my motivation. Like this is, this is why I need to escape this shitty upbringing the shitty family that I'm a part of and the shitty cult that I'm in and like this is why I need to keep going and so in a way like as corny as it sounds I feel like you know animals saved my life and I like I thought that I had no chance whatsoever to work with wildlife because I was like I am poor and I am stupid and so like it's not gonna happen for me but I was like pretty determined to do everything in my power to make it happen so that's kind of my foundation and then go on to go to college. Um, but Maddie, I feel like you have some thoughts and I can see in your face, you have some thoughts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just, it's, um, 
what was I gonna say? Yeah, uh, what you brought it up. It's um, it's very interesting how when you're younger, like how your surroundings and what you're doing is so formative in your mind. Like you said, those neural pathways. Cause it's like, for you, like you're saying you thought you were dumb or you, you know, you had these like negative beliefs about yourself and those are really, really hard to break or rewire in your adult life. And that's something that I believe you've done. And um, I think both you, both you and I are at this point successful and um, we're also growing in our careers and in our lives. And that's re really cool and something to something to speak about it or, you know, just like reiterate is that we are successful based on some of the struggles we've had to overcome. Um, and that's, I think what makes us really cool, you know, cause we're bad bitches. Um, the other thing I was thinking is just like, yeah. So for you, it was like wildlife was your motivator. And then uh, for me, what really kind of like kept me going was, um, so I'm diagnosed with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And so from a young age, I knew I wanted to be a marine biologist. I still do. And um, so that's really, I was just like, with OCD, you usually obsess over a goal and then all your compulsions are like focused on that one thing. And so I now know how to like manage my OCD. But uh, when I was younger, it was like, okay, I have to do whatever it's going to take to be a marine biologist. I didn't know what that would look like, um, but that was what really motivated me. Um, so just looking at my notes, I don't know which direction you want to go in, but uh, I was thinking, you know, we can talk about other struggles we've had with like mental health or for me, you said, you know, it's, if you're, if you're struggling with, with support or um, like your identity or, or whatever your struggle is, you, where you grew up, it was, you're going to join a cult or use opioids. Like you joined the cult and I definitely uh, chose substances. So that's been a, a really big struggle in my life and something I'm really proud to talk about now. But so I think whichever direction you want to go, we could talk about, you know, yeah, whatever. No, I think so. So essentially we just like laid the foundation for like, okay, you know, cause I think that people's life stories are relevant to the way that we see the world and it like helps to kind of unfold too, because maybe now people can understand a little bit, maybe more how you got into the opioids. Um, and you know, I'm glad that it's something that you're proud to talk about because it's something I'm very proud of you for overcoming. Um, uh, yeah. So go ahead and tell us about how you got into substances. Um, and also I think too, you know, you and I have talked about like how that happened as a result of like your academic life. So I think our listeners maybe would like to hear about that too. Cause I bet there's somebody else out there that struggles with that as well. Totally. Yeah. It all ties in. Um, cause like I said, I was just really obsessive about being a marine biologist for me. I didn't know what that looked like, like going into college, but as I started my university career, it was like, okay, the um, main thing that's going to make you well-known, get you the recognition you need, give you the notoriety is going to be to publish papers, to work for Ivy Leagues, to um, just like have this sort of like clout. And, and we, like, we would joke, like my friends and I were like, oh, are you a clout chaser? Because I'm a clout chaser, you know? And, and it was like chasing papers, you wanted to publish. Um, <clears throat> and so for me, like as my obsession with being a marine biologist grew, 
what kind of fed into that was, okay, I have to be the best of the best. And so I did get, uh, you know, I got a fellowship um, to do research at Hopkins Marine Station, which is Stanford's Marine Station in Pacific Grove, California. I was funded to do lots of cool research studying anchovies and squid. And so for me, like in university, like I was, I was at the top of my game and I was just like riding that high. For me, that was like drugs. It was like, this feels amazing. People know who I am. People are interested in my research. I would give, I've given many research presentations, won awards. And like, so as I continued to get that outside or external validation, I was like, everything was okay mm. on the outside. Internally, I was really struggling with still, I, I hadn't addressed like my codependency, my um, like void that I had inside myself that just didn't feel like I fit in or that I um, could relate with anyone. Like I always just felt so different. Cause like I had an, a diagnosis of OCD, but I didn't really ever like get medication for it or like address it. I never was in therapy or anything. So it was kind of like, I knew I had this uh, mental illness, but I didn't do anything to like manage it. I also struggled with anxiety and depression, which same, same story there is like, I knew I had these illnesses, but I'd never addressed them in a healthy way. And so like one thing for me was like a coping mechanism was to start like just drinking, using whatever substance I could put in my body to make me feel almost numb to the world because I didn't want to like yeah, I didn't want anyone to know that I was struggling. And so I would just like on the weekends, everyone was like drinking beer at Fieldwork in Monterey, which is like a really cool place. Um, and, and so that's what I did, but I would always drink like a little bit more than everyone else. And so it was all fine though, because I was like at the time when I was still in school, it was, it was okay to anyone who saw me or even me. Sure. It's like this social know. norm, like in college, like you're a drunk college student. Yeah. So it's like it nothing ever like looked like out of the norm exactly um until I graduated. And when I graduated, I was like, oh, oh shit, you know, like what am I gonna do? So I when I graduated, I was no longer funded to do my research at Hopkins. And so I had to, and then the only the options for me were once I was graduating, was like, okay, I wanted to, I wanted to go to graduate school. I applied to like 10 different programs, did not get into a single one of them, probably because I didn't do the best on my applications because I was like either high or drunk. And so I didn't get in. So that was really upsetting to me. And so my options then were like to find a job in Monterey Bay area or move back to Arizona. And like, that wasn't an option. It was like, if I was moving back to Arizona where I grew up, like that was complete, that was failure. I wouldn't want to accept that. It was like, I'd rather kill myself. And so I found a job at a kayak company, which is where I met Erica. The company is called Adventures by the Sea. Go hit them up, go rent a kayak. We love Adventures by the Sea. That's our family. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, if, you, if you're looking for kayak rentals, <laughs> hit them up. But um, I was really, really depressed when I was working at Adventures by the Sea. And, because, and I just, I didn't want anyone to like, know that I was struggling. So I was just like getting really drunk, really high. I had lost my recognition. The fact that I wasn't working for Stanford anymore just really was like a big like motivator in my depression. And so, yeah, the um, substances really took over my life and I lost control. And up until about a year ago, I was really like, really in a deep, deep pit, like a rock bottom of sorts. And um, 
luckily I have family and friends who helped kind of uh, pull me out of that hole, but I do credit myself a lot with what I've done now because this month on Halloween, I will be one year sober, which is holy cow. I can't freaking believe like, you know, I, I haven't even smoked weed <laughs> in a year. And like, that's really crazy to me. Erica kn knew me when I was getting drunk and like using drugs and I'm sure you can like speak to my transformation, but like, that's a really big um, obstacle that I've had to overcome is this like disease of being an addict and struggling with substance use. And now that I'm like clear minded and sober and like, I did move back to Arizona <laughs> and I don't see it as a failure anymore. I see it as like a thing I'm really grateful for. It's really cool part of my story. I have these dogs now. I'm really close with my family. Um, and I'm able to now really work on myself and say that I'm mentally healthy. And now I'm just like excited for what's next. Cause I do take medication for my mental illnesses. I do go to therapy like pretty much weekly. Um, and I have other things that I'm doing to just like keep myself mentally healthy and then whatever's next. Uh, I, I feel strong enough to move forward and to help another person by sharing my story or whatever that's going to look like. Absolutely. And it's like, it's so incredible to see how you've overcome because like I was friends with you while you were using and like, I like definitely remember like, I like, I don't know. I didn't realize like how bad the situation was. Like I kind of did and I kind of didn't. And like, I remember trying to talk to you because like, I would just get annoyed that like when we would hang out, like you would always be like two hours late and you would always be like drunk. And I'd be like, we agreed on the time. And then you would show up and you would like laugh and you'd be like, ha ha, I'm two hours late. I don't give a fuck. Like how funny am I? And I'm like, this is so lame. Um, but like, you know, it just was like, it got to a point where I was like, dude, like not, you don't have to get fucked up every single like day, you know? Um, and I'm so glad that you got the help because like it did get scary there for a while of like, you know, di use of different substances that were scarier, a little more life-threatening, I feel like. And um, so yeah. it's incredible that you have been able to overcome. And I think that that's a thing that a lot of people feel like in this field. And I think it's like, it's not just this field. I think it's a lot of fields of like people feeling like they need to be the best. Like, I think we do, we live in a culture where it's like, people you know quote unquote want to be the best and people are trying to fill the void and like we're very much like a like we're I think our culture is getting to the place where we're starting to have more conversation around emotion I think it's a lot of the Gen Zers I think it's like some millennials too um and it's interesting I was talking to one of my old captains um and like she was like asking me like you know like how because we haven't caught up in a while she asked me how life is going and I told her I was like yeah like I've really been focusing on like my mental health, like this phase of my, you know, life has been less focused on career, I would say, and more like on being like mentally like, okay. And like, she was saying that like, you know, like she was like, yeah, that's really great. And she's like, you know, I, I think your generation, like, cause we were talking too about how, like, there are some people that we know that, you know, have a lot of emotional issues, very common. Um, and like, how it's just a lot easier for our generation and the younger generations to have those conversations. Because I, I feel like I remember as a kid growing up, like 
like when my mom was like, you know, potentially going to go to therapy, that was like so taboo and she never did. And she fucking needs to, but like, whatever, um, not the point, but like, it was so taboo. It was like one of those things, like we don't talk about. And now it's like, I can just casually bring it up in a conversation be like, Oh, my therapist said, and like, nobody's going to be like, Oh, you crazy person. Like, they're like, good for you. And like my, like old captain, she was like, you guys just have so many more words for describing feelings um and and things like that which you know kind of transitioning into the vulnerability portion of things so like Brene Brown is a major inspiration for me she a lot of her work is around vulnerability and shame and things like that and we're going to put some links for like resources and and things in the episode description um but like she talks about how like we need language in order to like articulate ourselves and for us to be considered like emotionally literate like we need to know like up to 30 words, 30 or more words to describe emotions. Um, and there's a lot of emotions that we can feel, but you know, one of the things that I've kind of learned throughout my journey is like, I've dealt a lot with a lot of issues of self-worth mostly because like, I was told by my family because they were very abusive that like, I was not good enough. I was never going to be good enough. I was stupid. Like I was all these things. And like, ultimately now I know that that is how my mom feels about herself. That is how some of my extended family members feel about themselves. And they were putting that onto me. But like my young six to 20 year old brain was like not able to comprehend. I was like completely internalizing all this shit. And like in order for me to be able to do the work that I do and like educate people or like do this podcast or like be effective in, you know, because like I ultimately do want to like cultivate change, but it is like, you know, in order to achieve those goals, I have to be like, okay, in my head and in my heart. And I feel like I am in a really good place now. Like, I feel like I've overcome a lot. Um, there's been like a lot of struggles and different things. And I think part of that is talking to other people, like talking to you. Um, and I had just talked to you too, about a podcast that I listened to about like secrets, you know, um, and us keeping secrets, um, and how that has a negative impact on us. And like, a lot of times people keep secrets about like, sex or money or abuse like those are the most common things and most of the time they never tell anyone um but I've noticed like for me at least in the last like year or so like I've opened up to you about a specific situation that has really impacted the way like I I've become for a while I was very and I'm still a little bit this way overcoming it bitter and jaded towards the field because like a few years back like I was assaulted by someone in the field. Um, and like, I didn't realize like how much it was affecting me until I started having those conversations and like being vulnerable with people. And it was like a secret that I kept. It was something that I was deeply ashamed of because I was like, you know, this is somehow my fault. Like I should have just gotten through this. I should have said something at the time. Like I didn't say something at the time. And, you know, later because also too I just like I couldn't handle you know dealing with that situation at the time that it happened because I was going through so many other things um but I think it's like a pretty common thing for a lot of women to like after experiencing that sort of trauma be in denial being like no that's not what it is um and so I've spent a lot of like the last year kind of coming to terms and accepting that that is something that did happen um and also like you know, working through those emotions. And like, one of the biggest things for me has been like talking to you and like talking to like Joey, like one of my captains, like, uh, you know, ha like having a man who gets it is very healing as well. 
Um, but in, or, like, but I noticed that I wasn't able to, to be as good of like a naturalist or a podcast host or a friend, et cetera, because I had this like heavy trauma and this heavy burden weighing on me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I like, I like how we're kind of <clears throat> transitioning into the topic of vulnerability here. Oh, I have so many thoughts on what, or what you just said. Let me see if I can gather <clears throat> I just what I'm spewed. I just spewed. So that was, <laughs> it was okay, a lot. It's kind of one of those things. I don't know. I get on a tangent sometimes. That was my tangent. No, no, but it's, it's good and it's all relevant. And I think like, I think some of the things you said just really speaks to our friendship and to you as a person, because like, you know, you, you knew me when I was kind of at, at like my worst, where I really was like, I mean, it got, my life got to a point where I was pretty much either like drunk or high, like 100% of the time. I couldn't be on time. I couldn't keep commitments. My life was falling apart and you still kind of like stuck by me, which like, I wasn't kind of really like willing to accept at the time. Like you, you like, I remember one night we're sitting at the, uh, San Carlos beach, like eating dose Victoria's or something. And you're like, yeah, maybe you should go to therapy. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, I was like, really like not, not having it. And, um, another time I remember we were at your cute little place, uh, near Alvarado street. And, um, I had showed up already drunk and I was just like pretty much there because I knew you had alcohol at your house. And I was like, all right, well, how can I get more drunk? And, and you and another friend of the kind of like, sat me down and said, we think you have a drinking problem. And I was also like, fuck you. Like, no, I don't. And, um, but I think kind of another thing that you brought up was just like in, in the field of marine science of ecotourism in any field, I think like it's, um, almost, I think it's becoming more, like you said, more, uh, more normalized, but, um, it still feels a bit taboo to talk about like like emotional struggles or what whatever struggle you might be having um and so like for me I didn't want anyone to know that I wasn't okay you know and I think like you can relate to that as well but I so I when I'm hearing from my friends that I have these problems or I should go to therapy I just like blocked that out I did not want to hear that and it took a really big change in my own self to then realize that I do have a problem and be vulnerable enough to then ask for help and like to be able to say to a therapist or to a family member, a friend, whoever, um, like that I'm having these struggles and that I, I need some serious professional help. Like I, I went to rehab. That was a really big decision that I, I chose to make, but like, ultimately I needed it. I needed to join that program of, of recovering from the substances I was putting in my body. And so like, I don't know. I think like it's the vulnerability thing is just being like one of the big things for me is being able to ask for help and saying that we're, we're not okay. Cause we're not always okay. And I think like now in my, it's really helped me in my professional life to be able to like, I'm not like telling my supervisors, like what I'm struggling with, but because I'm able to, in my life outside of work, like say that I am struggling, then it just helps me be more successful and be a better friend. Like you said, be a better community member, be a better uh, daughter, sister, whatever. Definitely. No, I think so. I mean, and like, I think back to that podcast about keeping secrets and they talk about like, there's different levels of secrets, you know, and, and just, even if you get like a lukewarm response from being like, Hey, I'm struggling, but like, 
I totally resonate with you because like the culture that I grew up in, in the Midwest, it's very much like emotions are not real. Like I was literally told that while I was being emotionally abused for two decades, I was told that emotional abuse is not like a real thing, that that's not even possible. Like the only type of abuse is physical. And like, I should just be thankful that I don't get hit more. Like, you know, and like it, you know, it was like, just kind of like a fucked up upbringing and I really like because I also was taught by my family that if I showed any emotion which was so normal like when I think back to that like I'm like I was literally a kid with zero emotional skills because that's the whole point of being a kid is like you don't like you do not have those like a lot of adults don't have those but like especially kids and like I was like told that like my emotions were totally invalid like that it wasn't okay like um and so I grew up with this belief that like me saying anything about my emotions made me a burden. It made me a bad person. It made me weak. And like, I was going through like a whole fucking lot, like after I cut ties with my mom, like that was like definitely really hard, but that was like the turning point into me healing because cutting her out of my life, like allowed me to surround myself and open myself up to other people and other viewpoints. And like, while like I was personally, like, I was like, Oh, that's okay for other people to like be quote unquote weak. And like, you know, show their emotions, but it's not okay for me. Like I have understanding and I have compassion for others, but I don't have compassion for myself. Um, and so, you know, like I've definitely had to do a lot of self-work to be able to have conversations like that. Like, I think that at the time that I started this podcast, like I would not be capable of the conversation that we're having right now. Um, and it's so important because like, even just like say like, you know, there are, there's science that shows that if we just name our emotions, we just name what we're going through. Like, it's helpful. And like, we are social beings. Like we are like, you know, community oriented species and like, we need those connections and like, you know, being able to say like, Hey, I'm struggling right now. Like most of the time people do want to help you. Like, especially the people that care about you, like, you know, I don't know, like I've, you know, been able to grow a lot through my friendship with you um, and two, through my friendship with Joey, like, you know, he was on the podcast last week of like, especially when it comes to talking about like issues, like around men and some of the traumas that I've experienced because of men. And like, he, like, I don't know, it's, he's not a man that's like that. Like, and he is a man that can have an emotional conversation. And like, you know, I used to be somebody that like, would be like, oh no, I don't cry. I'm not a crier. Like I don't do that. And like the fact that I have been able to cry in front of Joey, like, uh, at least twice, you know, like shows like tremendous personal growth that like, I was able to like be okay with feeling those emotions in front of another person, like, especially a man, you know? Yeah. I think I, I listened to that podcast too, the secret keeping one. It was so interesting. Cause it is like, it can, the, I mean, the psychologist who was speaking was just saying like how, um, how detrimental it can be to like keep secrets like that. And I think it's, uh, I like how you bring up emotions too, because like <clears throat> same here for me, like my struggle with like speaking about how I was feeling emotionally comes from like how uncomfortable emotions are, yeah. you know, it can be, you know, like when my grandma passed away or my childhood dog passed away, I like didn't cry because I like didn't want to feel, I mean, I, I cried a little when my grandma but like you know I didn't want anyone to like see me crying I didn't want like yeah I, I don't know I had this like 
I don't know, this uh, like pride or ego or, or also just, it just hurts. Like it's, it doesn't feel yeah. good. To, it doesn't feel good. You know, it, it can be very painful when things like, and, and it's not just deaths. I mean, there's lots of things that can be painful. Like you said, um, assault, which I also have experienced and like, it's easier or so I thought easier. It seems in the time and the moment to just shut it out, to just oh, not, sure. it, you know, and, um, that's that I think is too part of my personal growth as well as just being able to like observe the emotion I'm feeling and kind of speak it out, describe it or like talk about it. Like, I mean, the other day, like I, um, I'm in between jobs right now. So I had to put in two weeks notice to my supervisor who I thought like I was cool with. And she really just pissed me off because she was not happy that I was um, going to be, you know, changing my career path. And, uh, and, and she made me really angry. And I, I, I initially was like, oh no, I kind of shut down a little bit because I didn't want to feel that anger. Like you don't, it's, it's not a comfortable feeling, but um, throughout the rest of the day, I was able to like acknowledge that I was feeling angry. I think I talked to you about it, sent you some like ranty voice messages where I was like, my boss is such a bitch, you know, like how to like, kind of like get it out, you know, it was uncomfortable, but it's like, I'm so much healthier now being able to like, you know, like at least say that I was angry and it can be anger. It could be sadness. It can be joy. Like joy is cool. And if you're like experiencing joyful, happy things and you have no one to share it with, like you said, we're social creatures. Like that's just where you start to become really sad. And um, one other thing I was going to comment on is how you said that, like being in therapy is becoming more normalized. I think is totally true. Cause I was like in the drive-thru at like Dutch bros the other day and my, uh, the little guy at the drive through window was like, oh, like, what are you doing today? I was like, oh, I just got therapy. And he, he was like, oh my God, my therapist, like this, this, that, and that. And I was like, yes, like therapy is so great. So everyone should go to therapy. <laughs> and um, I think there was one other thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, I, I can't think, oh, oh, that's what I was gonna say. Everyone should go to therapy because like literally, I mean, I don't know the statistics. I should do some more research, but I, from what I've heard and kind of my understanding of, today's society is that we are in a freaking mental health crisis and like suicide is all too common. And that was one of the things I thought we could talk about. Cause I know you and I have struggled with, and I know we were going to like trigger warning this whole episode, but, um, that's well, something cause I just feel like it's just the whole thing. Just yeah. Like, like people, kids, gay people, all sorts of communities um minorities like are are killing themselves and it's very very sad and it's like I, I don't want to speak about your story but I'll uh touch on mine just a little but like I have also experienced thoughts of killing myself and it's like whoa like how much brighter is the world that I'm in it how much brighter is the world that you're in it you know and it's like how could we have ever thought that the world would be better without us in it you know and I just think that's another really big obstacle that people have to overcome. And I think that's why therapy is great. And, and yeah. also have conversations like ours. No, I think so. And one of the things that I've learned is I feel like people having suicidal thoughts or like attempting suicide is a lot more common than we think. Um, and I think it's like, once you start having those conversations, like, I think it is fairly normal, like, for people to have the thought of like, if I just like at some point or another in their life, not necessarily all the time, like to be like, life would be easier if I wasn't here. And like, I think a lot of that too has to do with resources. And like, you're talking about like therapy and I definitely think that everybody should go to therapy, but I think that we also don't have enough therapists. 
Um, and therapy is a, it's not an easy like resource to obtain. It's expensive. Like I feel like on average, it's like 150 to $200 a session, which like, obviously the therapists are worth being paid that much. Like they went to school for it. It's a very specialized skill, but it's like, that's not affordable to most people. Um, and I'm very fortunate that my therapist, um, gives me a discounted rate. And if she didn't, I wouldn't be able to go. Um, like, and so I'm very fortunate that I'm in a position that I can afford therapy because there's a a lot of times too, like, especially when people are in those moments of feeling suicidal, like, like there's like a three month wait list to get into like a therapist. And it's like, you're like, fuck, like I want to die right now. Like, you know, and so it's not, it's not good. So we're going to put some links to like, you know, um, resources that you can call, Um, but you know, to be honest, I kind of feel like the world must've been in like some sort of mental health crisis before, but it's just like, we didn't have the words to talk about it. Um, and I do think like, you know, through us being vulnerable, like those are ways that we can help ourselves. Like therapy is great if you can like afford to do it. And honestly, like I'm somebody who grew up dirt poor. And I think like, that's one of the things that kind of played into like my personal experience with like suicidal thoughts was I just like I've had moments where it's like fuck I'm trying my hardest to like make it in this world and like have had zero financial support from family like I my mom used to literally steal money from me like she told me that like when I was in college she was like oh yeah like I want to set up a joint bank account so I can start helping you out and like me being young and naive being like even though she's got a history with being who she is I was like, oh yeah, like, thank you so much. Like this means so much to me more. Like I was like emotionally like, cool. Finally, like some sort of support from this woman. And like, no, she just like would take money like out of my account when I was making like, I don't know, 200 bucks a week at Starbucks, you know, like, so, um, which I was using to pay off a student loan at the time because I had like, there was a student loan that for, it was a private loan that I had to pay while I was in college. So just, it was not good anyways. Um, but like a lack of resources, I think is one of the biggest reason why like people sometimes feel that way because it's like, you know, whether that be financial resources or like emotional resources, like it's a common feeling that I think a lot of people have, um, at some point or another, like some people it's more strong, like to the point where you actually attempt other people. It's just like a thought, it's just an intrusive thought. Um, but you know, it's, I, I think having the conversations helps us to like move past it a little bit. Like, it's like, you're carrying less of that weight and like, you know, Brene Brown, I just would recommend anything that that woman produces, anything that her name is on. If you see it, listen to it, read it, like whatever. She's got a lot of free resources, but you can also purchase her books. And the only book that I haven't read of hers is Atlas of the Heart, which is the newest one. Uh, but every other book, 11 out of 10 would recommend. Um, but one of the biggest things with vulnerability that she talks about, and this is something that my therapist and I just talked about earlier this week was like, you can't like let love and good things in positive things in, unless you let the bad stuff out. It's like, it's, you don't get to pick what door it's the same door. Um, and like, you know, like you had talked about back in your experience where like, you were not ready to hear that. I was like, go to therapy. Like you were not ready for me to like, you know, stick by you, like whatever. And like, I think that's so interesting because you weren't willing to like feel the negative stuff, which is why you were doing all the drugs, but you also weren't in a good friend either. Um, and like my therapist and I were just talking about that because like we were talking about how my ex came to visit me and how I was like, I was basically being a little too hard on him. And like, he was 
trying to show me that he's very caring, which he is. And like, she was like, just take it in. She's like, I feel like you really struggle with like accepting love sometimes just like, and she's like, maybe this is better right now because like you can only accept like a little bit of love at a time. Um, because like, I definitely have been like a very guarded person and like, you know, yeah. So those are my, yeah, thoughts. I heard, uh, I heard, uh, maybe I saw on Instagram the other day, like something that was really cute it was like a picture like of four hearts and it just said like let it hurt let it bleed let it heal let it go and I, I don't know I just like when you're speaking I thought of that because it's like <clears throat> excuse me really really cute because it's like you gotta let it hurt and then it then heal and then let it go because yeah there's just like all sorts I mean even with like yeah it weighs on you. Cause like, that was one thing that you said that I wanted to come back to was you were talking about like how you feel like your life is better because that you've been able to be more vulnerable. Those feelings don't go away. Like, it's not like, oh, okay. Like, let me just shove it under the rug, shove it under the rug. And I feel the exact same way. Like, I feel like I'm better able to walk through this world, able to do the work that I want to do when I'm able to be honest and like authentic and like express my emotions and be like, whatever. And it, it doesn't have to be a big, huge thing, but it can definitely be intimidating when you're getting started. Like I remember when I was getting started with the healing journey of like being able to be vulnerable and open up, but this is like, my therapist said like, yeah, I think it was yesterday. I can't remember, but she was like, this is living. She's like, that's what living is. Cause I was telling her about like how my ex came to visit and how like we had such a good time and like, you know, like it really made me miss him and all these other things and how like, I just really appreciated spending time with him. But then I was also like really sad, like when he left and she was like, this is what living is, you know, like this is like, she's like, just savor like these moments. And I told her too, I was like, I'm like, I'm more than willing to deal with these feelings of like sadness and like pain in order to experience all the joy that I felt like while he was here for three or four days. Um, and so, you know, I don't know, just think it's relevant. Um, I had a train of thought and then I lost it that's okay I'll jump in I uh was just yeah I was just thinking like how so much my life has changed like as of recent just like for me the most important like going through university and with this like obsessive compulsive behavior towards being like this well-known scientist uh like the things that mattered most to me at the time were like how much uh recognition how many people like knew my name how many people like you know, like being able to say that I did research for Stanford and like all this stuff that mattered so much to me. And my whole perspective has flipped really like taking uh, responsibility for my personal healing has like the most supportive things to me now are like my friendships and my family and my relationships and like having love in my life. And I just um, wanted to touch on to what you said about just like accessibility towards mental health resources because it is true like therapy can be it, it is totally expensive and like we have a shortage of therapists but like we'll link some resources in the show notes but um you gotta you gotta get kind of scrappy and it's like I don't know I think I just want it sounds cheesy but you matter you know I think everyone matters and, and it's like I think so. sometimes you feel really alone but you're not alone and like I've had to um like text that like crisis line before. Cause I, I remember like one time I called the crisis line and they sent like an ambulance and it was like this whole big thing. It was a terrible experience. I was like placed on a 72 hour hold and it was just like, 
I hate, like, it was very traumatizing. And so I didn't want to experience that again. But I found out you can, like, text the crisis line. And, like, a real human will, like, text you back. And they just, like, have a conversation with you. Like, it's not even, like, oh, like, you need to do this, this, or that. It's, like, they're just, like, oh, how are you feeling right now? Or what's caught, like, and it's, like, I feel like that's, I mean, what we do all the time is now I don't need to text the crisis line. I can just, like, text you. But, like, yeah, you know, like, I think. Yeah, it's important to throw those resources out there, like Brene Brown. Definitely. Because I feel like, too, like, you know, maybe it's easier if you're not somebody who's so comfortable with, like, vulnerability. Like, it's easier to text the crisis line or text your friend, you know. Um, But, yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, everybody's important. I think nobody's too far gone. Also, too, like, I feel like, you know, like, our culture in the past and in certain ways now still places value on like very toxic ideas, like, you know, constant achievement or clout or like, you know, women being super sexy all the time, like just things that, no, like we don't need that, you know? Um, And like we get praised for whatever. Um, And I think, you know, like sometimes I feel like our culture values people being shitty, (laughs) you know, like doing whatever it takes to be like the man, you know, like be like, I'm, the dude with the career and the money and like and it's just like ew first of all um but I think like you know for a long time and society is changing and I think it's like more so for the boomer culture but like I feel like people have probably made mistakes like I think of an uncle that I have who I love dearly and he is like the epitome of toxic masculinity or he used to be um and he's definitely like literally oh my god like growing up, like he would just say and do the most toxic things. Um, and like, he definitely made it very important to let everybody know that like women need to be sexy all the time. Like he put that on his daughters. He put that on me. He put that on my mom. I remember he would make comments about my mom's weight. Like, like they, like not, not his business, not his business at all. Like they would just be like chilling down for a vacation. And my uncle would be like, so do you think you're going to like lose weight? And like, I remember him making comments to me about like, Cause I told him I wanted a cat and he was like, what kind of guy is going to date a girl that has a cat? And I was like, what the fuck? Um, and like, he would just say shit. And like, I feel like he has made a lot of mistakes in regards to the way that he's treated women. But I also do feel like he has made a lot of changes. Um, and I, and I don't define him for those mistakes that he's made. Um, and so I think that if there are people maybe out there that feel deep shame with having had previous like toxic behaviors or actions that like, you know, I, I think our world needs to be a little bit more forgiving, a little bit less cancel culture. Like I, 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 at first I used to be like, fuck cancel culture altogether, but there are some individuals that should be canceled because they show no remorse. They don't want to change. They're just going to continue to be shitty and go out there and like harm humans or animals or whatever. Um, but I think that there are people out there that have caught, we've all caused harm in some way or another. Um, but I just want to note that too, of just like, you know, no matter where you are in your journey, no matter what your past is, like that doesn't define you. Like it doesn't, it's not a determination of what your future is. I feel like I'm a prime example of that. Like I grew up dirt poor, like literally like statistically the other kids that were in my school that were in the same situation that I was in, a lot of them have like three kids are literally are dead or like are just not doing well, you know? Um, and so like, you know, I feel like hopefully I can inspire other people to be like, look, 
my path didn't determine where I was going. And also I was somebody that was very shut down in my emotions, wasn't able to like process things, wasn't able to be like, I feel however type of way. And like, now that is a skill that I have not saying that it's perfect. And also healing is cyclic. It is not linear. Uh, we go in circles, but it's a matter of how, you know, we're able to navigate those circles and it can definitely be intimidating at first. So for those of you that maybe are on your healing journey, if you feel so overwhelmed with all these emotions and things that maybe you haven't felt before, I feel like that's normal. Um, and I think that Madison and I can both attest that like you will get through that. Those feelings will be less hard to feel. Um, it will be like more normal, be more okay. Um, but I think that we are all better human beings when we're vulnerable and when we're authentic. That was so well said. Like, I feel like I have nothing really more to, I, I, I'll give a closing thought, but like, that was like, I feel like that could have been like, boom, mic drop. Like, I was really well, the mic did drop this morning. Oh <laughs> I... Um, I bought this tiny little microphone. It's so cute. So tiny. And I literally dropped it in my coffee. <laughs> like into the coffee cup. Like literally into the coffee cup. And I rinsed it off. Luckily it was like $8. So like if it's broken, I'll just order another one. Um, but I also got it a little bit wet in the hot tub last night. So it's yeah. a really tiny microphone, but, um, yeah, I guess my final thought is just like, I, I still have struggles, right? Like I still struggle with substance abuse and like cravings and things like that. I still struggle with mental illness, but like as I'm healing and as I'm on this like path of personal growth, it's a lot easier to address my struggles and to overcome them. And as I overcome them, I get a lot stronger and it's like life is just so much more beautiful and bright and there's so many fun things and excitement in my life. And I just would hope that me sharing this vulnerable and authentic story about myself and Erica sharing hers can like, I don't know, at least provide some entertainment, but like maybe, um, yeah, maybe uh, just offer someone else, let them know that they're not alone. And I just think like, follow your passions, follow your dreams, like life, I, as someone who's experienced like really deep depression, like I am just so happy and proud that I can just see how amazing life is and how much fun I have and just like how many cool things. Also, like if you have the financial um, and like, yeah, if you're stable enough, I suggest getting a dog. Dogs just like are yeah. so joyful. The best. Know? The best. Help, in the world. help you live in the moment. And like some of the like little mantras I tell myself every day are like, enjoy the moment, enjoy the present and take things yeah. one day at a time. And that's the best we can do. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Get a dog. Um, peaches is literally so good every day, every day. Like it's the best part of the day. Every day. We spent like 30 minutes snuggling this morning. She's constantly my dog, my dog jumped in my bed, muddy and, uh, nuzzled into all the pillow sheets and blankets. And I, I'm sitting on a bed that has no sheets on it right now. Because so I think that that goes back to our case study where we were trying to talk about objectively who is the better dog, the dog that cuddles for 30 minutes or the dog that um, comes and gets your bed muddy. Also, um, this just reminded me, I was at dinner with uh, one of my coworkers last week or whatever. And um, 
he is not a dog person at all and it's so funny because his new girlfriend has this dog and like he's just like I don't know he just he just doesn't like the dogs that much um and I'm like you should I they're the best I his opinion on that is just terrible opinion but apparently this dog like came and just like slid its ass on his fellow and like his skin <laughs> I like things like and this is more funny for you <laughs> I mean it's it's it's, like, it's a funny story but it's also just a funny because it's him and he like doesn't like dogs and this dog is like fuck you <laughs> yeah but get a dog and like I, even though my bed got all muddy I was laughing so yeah it was just, like, yes I love um, it I have like one more final thing to throw in at the end um jumping spiders oh yeah of course of course so like just if you like need a quick pick me up you're feeling down just google or youtube dancing jumping spiders and you will have a better day um also if you are feeling down and i know you're gonna hate me but like if you're not even feeling down if you just want to say hi message me at reborn madison on instagram Okay, I will. Okay, the first time that you said it, because we did have to record this podcast twice, because the first time that we recorded it, just it, it was not the vibes. It was not. You're letting me cut out the bag. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, it's fine. Whatever. Um. And she was like, "Follow me on Instagram," and I was literally like, "I was like, ew." I was like, "Don't be one of those people." Like, but I can see now that you're doing it from a, a place of like, you know it's Connection. not from a it's not from a I think I'm the greatest person in the world follow me on Instagram like I like I'm so gay for likes like you know like not like that you know what I mean so. and there are still some people like you said shitty people out there who deserve to have birds shit in their mouth so that's valid that's valid if I had the time I would consider training them the birds <laughs> specifically baby seagulls Oh my God. They're so amazing. So fluffy. Um, well, I think that's all we have. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if there are certain things that you want to hear on the porpoisodes, um, let us know. Um, we're happy to cover a variety of topics. If you are like a scientist or somebody in the cetacean field or work within an endangered species or previously endangered species, and you would like to come on and, um, do a podcast episode, please reach out to me. My email is erica at breachingextinction.com or you can send a message over Instagram. Kendra runs the Instagram, but somebody will see the message and we'll get back to you. Um, much love, peace, love, peaches, whale, gang, gang. One day at a time. One day at a time. Love, love, love. Okay. Bye. Are you going to say bye, Madison? You're just going to- oh, oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Excited to be a Porpoiseode co-host. Yeah. Gang, gang. <laughs>